Hello, I'm Abby. Hi, I'm Shannon. And welcome to the first episode of The Mystery Room. Just to let everybody know, I've got a bit of a cold at the moment, so my voice sounds like I've been smoking 50 a day. I don't usually sound like this, so apologies in advance. (laughs) She does usually sound like that. No, I'm joking. Okay, so I don't know if we've mentioned it in our Instagram post, we probably haven't, but every episode we will be uh narrating with a bottle of wine um and it's going to be a different bottle of wine every week so what have we got this week shannon we have got a gallows white zinfandel it was originally eight pounds because you know i like the cheap stuff but with club card price it is five pounds so hit up tesco's people i think it's pronounced white zinfandel I didn't say bit Zinfandel. You said Zinfandel, but it's fine. It's fine. Zinfandel. We move on. We move on. Okay. Anyway. (laughs) So, (laughs) for this case, we will be taking you guys back to 1939, a couple of weeks after the World War II started. On September 29th, 1939, a couple of weeks after the breakout of World War II, labourer William Ward and his dog were walking along a disused railway line in Whitchurch, Cardiff at 7.30pm when his dog started barking and straining, trying to reach a bush on an embankment. This is where Will got the shock of his life. In that bush was the poor, lifeless body of four-year-old Joyce Cox. Joyce Cox was a four-year-old girl from Whitchurch, Cardiff. She was a few days shy of her fifth birthday when she was found. She is described as being plump, with straight hair, a fair complexion and rosy cheeks. She lived with her mum, Irene, and her seven-year-old brother, Dennis. She also had a father, Arthur, who was in the army, stationed in Dover at the time of the unfortunate event. He said Joyce was accustomed to wandering about, but her cousin Alan said she was quite shy and she wouldn't just wander off. Her cousin Alan and Terry play a massive part in this case. Joyce's mum, Irene Cox, last saw Joyce at half eight in the morning on the 28th of the 9th, 1939, before sending her to morning school at Whitchurch Infant School. She left school around midday with her brother Dennis and cousin Alan. They stopped off at their grandmother's house, and when asked, her brother Dennis said Joyce was playing in the garden. They then continued to Alan's house where they dropped him off and this is the last time Alan would see his cousin alive as they waved goodbye and she went round the corner. They continued to go home and Joyce's mum got really worried at about 12.45 when Joyce didn't come home for lunch, which is not like her. Between 12.45 and 3 o'clock, Irene went to all different family members to see if they had seen her. Okay, now. I'm not sure why you would let a four-year-old girl walk around on her own but as a parent i'm not a parent but like if i was a parent i wouldn't let my four-year-old walk to and from school on their own even if it is with their brother i was gonna say the brother was only seven yeah i mean i i I saw in the documentary would highly recommend by the way it's called the dark land or something like that it's quite it's a bit it's about unsolved cases anyway um i saw in the documentary that apparently in those times it wasn't uncommon for like loads of young kids to walk home on their own although just adding a bit of information in here there was actually a psychiatric hospital near the school which you already knew but i don't know how i would feel 
letting my kids even if there was like a low crime rate in those days i don't know how i feel about letting my kids walk home from school knowing that there's a psychiatric hospital right behind there but like then again when my dad was younger like in the 60s he there used to be a um psychiatric hospital in the village he lived in and he used to climb the trees and talk to the patients there and my grandma like my grandma his mum didn't seem bothered by it like oh they're harmless Really? That's what I mean. So, like, maybe it's just that sort of era, like, where things were, like, crime maybe was a lot mm. less than it is nowadays. Because I know, like, back in the day, people used to leave their doors unlocked. Like, yeah. you never hear about that now. Yeah, that's very true. But then also I heard, again, in the documentary, that um, people were nervous around the hospital because they didn't have the medication that they do now. Mm. Or, like, even when your dad was younger. Yeah, no, see, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. That's what so, I mean. So, like, why would why would her mum not go and pick her up from school? Like, it sounds like she's at home. Yeah. So why didn't she just go yeah. and pick her up from school? I mean, obviously, they let her do it anyway, and there have been no problems in the past. Like, then, yeah, that's what I mean. You never know what's yeah, going to happen. exactly. Well, there we go. At 3pm the same day, Joyce's mum became extremely concerned and called the police. Search parties were sent out immediately to look for Joyce. This included police, family, friends, Girl Scouts and Boy Scout members. Joyce's father was even called. He was stationed in Dover at the time and his commanding officer gave him leave immediately. But sadly, by the time he got home, Joyce's body had already been discovered. At 7.30pm on September the 29th, 1939, Joyce's huddled-up body was found in the bushes of an embankment on a disused railway line by William Ward two miles from her home. Found near her body was her gas mask, a newspaper with a written quote on it, but it's unknown what this quote was, a tobacco pouch and her underwear. Her cause of death was said to have been from shock. She was also found outraged, which is a Victorian term for sexually assaulted, and had visibly been strangled. Okay, now, conversation time. So, this railway line that she was found by, yeah, you could only get to it from a narrow path, from a hidden narrow path. So it has to be someone, someone yes. that knows the area. Yes. And I also think, like, as, like, a young child, like, I don't know if a child would go off with someone. Like, they don't Trust. really know, like... yeah. Everyone knows Stranger Danger. Yeah. So I feel like she must have known this person and she must have felt, like, safe around this person in order to go off with them. Yeah, exactly. Especially a four-year-old. Joyce was a healthy child, but autopsy notes revealed that she was suffering from a lymphoid tissue condition which made her more susceptible to death from shock. Cleared evidence also showed that Joyce had been taken to a house before being placed at the embankment. This is because, when doing the autopsy, coroners found that there had been evidence that she had been eating a blackberry tart and chocolate ice cream before her death. Once the investigation was underway, the police released a report stating what Joyce was wearing that day. In case there was any new leads or anyone decided to come forward, maybe of a witness seeing her. On the day she disappeared, she was wearing a blue velvet frock, a navy coat, plaid socks, ankle strap shoes, and she had her gas mask. Can I just say, I think it's really sad 
honestly, I teared up when she said that the, like her gas mask was found near her body. I know, same like that. Honestly, it's just like the whole case. It just really makes you like think. I know, like a like a four year old. Like, because we have obviously got like young kids in the family. Yeah. It really just it makes you think like. They didn't know and never want them to walk home on their own. Yeah. Honestly. It just really makes my heart break. I and I I, I don't know if this has any relevance. I know it was World War Two. But I know and I know it was in Wales and obviously World War Two. Was it mainly in like London and stuff that it was happening? Oh, no, I'm it's probably... like, I think it's like big cities, they kind of Yeah. But like another I... thing I was wondering when I was I know always... there was loads of bunkers around Cardiff. Yeah, there was loads of World War Two bunkers in and around Cardiff. See, that's interesting. But I was thinking, I wonder what it was like in Cardiff at that point during World War Two. Yeah, true, because, like, obviously, at schools in England, we kind of only hear from it from, like, a London point of view. Yeah, we that's don't, what... We, yeah, yeah exactly. like, we don't ever hear, like, how Scotland was impacted or how Ireland was impacted or how yeah. Wales was impacted. Yeah. Which I think they kind of should teach you at school. Yeah. Because, like, we're meant to be Great Britain and all that. Yeah. So I, yeah, like if if any of like anybody listening is from Wales and they want to shed a light on like what it was like in Wales around World War Two, that'd be really interesting to read. Yeah, I think I I just would love to maybe know. it'll set like a bit of a different edge to this whole case because it's like, obviously we we know from like just this case point of view. Yeah, like how devastating it is, but obviously like with World War Two going on around it. Yeah, that, exactly. What yeah. else was going on at yeah. the time? That's what I mean. You know what it was like in London at the time. I just want to know if it was not exactly the same, but similar. Like yeah, like Wales. were kids like because obviously a lot of families were separated at World, yeah. like during World War Two. Yeah. Like they all went to the countryside. They had to leave their families. Like, yeah. Was that the same in Wales? Like were yeah. people moved out? That's what I mean. And Cardiff's a big city. That's as what I mean. Well. Yeah. During the investigation, there was a blackout, obviously due to the war, so it was very hard to get good photographs of the crime scene. After this, the police did interview children at Joyce's school. It was a formal interview, so the questions included, did you know Joyce Cox? When did you see her last? Where did you see her and what time was it? Did you see her with any man? Has any man recently offered you pennies or sweeties? And if so, can you describe him? Okay. Right, this frustrates the hell out of me, okay? Because why would you give such a formal interview to four-year-olds? Yeah, that's what I mean. And it's like, I get it, some children, they want to help, and obviously Joyce is their friend. Like, you can see from, like, photos from the funeral, if we, like, we'll put some up on Instagram, so you can see. There was kids, like, swarm of kids, like, just absolutely devastated from this. Like, she was clearly, like, well known and liked in the community and it's like them questions are very formal yeah like i feel like for a four-year-old yeah like they probably don't understand and they're probably sat there going what yeah so i think like and also ties into what you were saying a minute ago about (laughs) sorry that's some wine um i can't remember what you were saying a minute ago i was saying so like some i know the best people to ask in this case are the children yeah because obviously that's the people that saw joyce last but it's like sometimes children might i don't know exaggerate a little bit or maybe not say the whole truth of what happened like you want to remember they are only children yeah and children have a massive imagination well yeah it might be like 
oh, one child saw Joyce doing this or one child saw someone doing this. And it's like, That's, a lot of the yeah. stories are probably not the same. Yeah. And it's it's hard to take exactly what they say as, yes, 100%, this is what happened. Yeah. No. Um, it's I, just hard yeah. in this sort of case because it's... Because it's so... During this, a lot of children did come forward and told the police that they saw Joyce down a lane, which is also called Lucky Lane, which I've I remember rightly from the documentary. It's still exactly the same as what it used to look like. Yes, yes. Um, and that they saw her with a man who was dressed in all black. He it was quite old looking, and that they didn't recognise him. They don't remember seeing him before. Mm. But then that might be oh, it's in a distance. They maybe not didn't see his face properly and. Yeah. So them saying, oh, I don't recognise him, it's probably like, okay, they it was a, a distance and yeah. maybe they got closer and be like, oh, I know who that is. But yeah. I don't know, it's quite it's quite far-fetched. It's intimidating I... for a child. Be yeah. Sad, like going, have you seen this, Joyce? Have you done this? Have you done... Like, it is, it's intimidating. If yeah. I was in them shoots, like, even now as an adult, yeah. I would feel so intimidated. And also, they'll probably, probably think, oh, I've got to tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. Like, speaking for like coercing them. Yeah, like, like put, asking them these questions probably puts things, puts things in their imagination. And think, oh, they want they want this answer, so I need to I need to give them this answer. Also, at three a.m. the day after she was found, her cousin Alan was dragged down to the police station, and we read that the police, or and actually he said about it in the documentary that the police were basically bullying him. They shook him at one point. Um, so and this sort of ties into what we were saying earlier about how like people coercing the kids into giving them not false information but like information that they want to hear but the kids don't even know I mean Alan said the last time he saw Joyce was when he waved at her as she was as she dropped him her and her brother dropped him off so yeah I do think that that was a sort of tactic to get any information they can out of him and just for them to get some information that they want not necessarily true but because if you were a child and a police officer was treating you like that like his mum didn't even go down to the police station with him oh yeah that's what i mean yeah. so it's like doing that to a child and there was yeah. like a parent or guardian present mm-hmm. like that child, is bullying. like a child would just be like okay i'll tell you what i want mm-hmm. like just to make it stop yeah because you've got to remember he was only seven yeah oh god I would be, I'd be frightened now like, getting judged on the I just station. feel like the police in this whole investigation just yeah. are just very corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know whether it's because of... I mean, I wouldn't say they're not corrupt now. I'd say some police officers, we won't get into that. But back in those days, yeah, I would say they don't have as... I would say they don't want to have as many laws as what they do now. Yeah, and it's like they're not as strict as they are now yeah like obviously there was like a lot of race back then there was like a lot of sexism back then as well so it's like yeah there was some people who were police officers who kind of got like a bit of a power trip and oh yeah definitely they think oh i am the law i'm above the law yeah well, you're not so <laughs> calm down <laughs> and then it's and because it's like even nowadays you get a few like here there you hear about police officers mm-hmm. who are doing things they shouldn't be doing and oh there's so many like you know committing crimes which yeah they eventually get caught for and maybe they should have got sacked for a long time ago but Mm -hmm. you know Mm -hmm. that's another topic for another day yeah (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, we'll get into that another time. It came to light that the man with a wheelbarrow actually turned out to be Alan's neighbour. He had an allotment which was on the way to where Joyce's body was discovered. And it was actually Alan's mum, so Joyce's aunt, who saw the neighbour pushing the wheelbarrow with the sack on the day that Joyce's body was discovered. A fun fact, he the neighbour actually used to be an ex-police officer. So what do you think about that? Well, obviously this information coming to light, the family automatically was like, this is a police cover-up, this is why he's not being arrested, this is why basically the case has gone cold. Yeah. Which I totally like agree with. Yeah. Because... Yeah. Like, like we were saying earlier, obviously, like, there are a lot of corrupt police officers now, but back yeah. then, it was a lot worse than it is now. Yeah, because they have more laws in place now. Yeah, and it's like, back then it was like, oh, I'll, I've got your back sort of thing. So, yeah. and it's like, you're a lot mm-hmm. likely to get away with a lot more being a police officer. Yeah. Back then. Yeah. And it's like, they're not going to snitch on their own. No. And also I heard in the documentary that they were saying that it was shameful to obviously um, have someone in the family who was a molester, uh, basically. And so instead of trying to get them help or basically hand them in, they would just try and hide it. They would just pretend that... Really sorry about that. <laughs> the mic actually just fell off the table. Bit of a technical difficulty yeah, sorry. there. <laughs> sorry. Back to the case. <laughs> yeah. So they, yeah, they actually. Yeah. So it was seen as shameful to have someone known as a molester in the family, and instead of trying to do anything about it, they would try and cover it up, and act like everything's fine and dandy when it's not. But then you see that with like a lot of people, like a lot of serial killers where you don't want to believe that your child or maybe like your partner or your father or your mother is like that and they try to do things yeah like they try to cover things up and they try to like brush things under the carpet oh yeah that's 100 percent what his wife did i think because if she's doing all the clothes for the kids surely she would have seen something happen or seen her husband do something like you wouldn't oh why would you turn a blind eye to that kind of thing also i don't know if you've heard about the paul murdoch the documentary the murdoch murders no oh you're talking to me i'm talking to you yeah sorry yeah oh my i forgot God. You're talking to the listeners we're on, we're on this podcast together i'm listen really to sorry me. <laughs> yes i have i've been watching them i'm on the third episode i haven't finished it yet no but alex murdoch was covering up what his son was doing yeah both of his sons buster and paul yeah that's what i mean like this is where you see yeah because they were obviously high up in a law firm yeah Yeah. where they're covering up crimes and that's obviously what it was like back in 1939 with the police yeah but still like that now yeah they're just covering up yeah it's it's very sad but it is what it is i say it's a lot better now unfortunately because of the lack of the evidence in this case obviously nowadays we have so much more advanced collection of evidence like we have cctv pretty much everywhere we have fingerprint analysis we have blood test analysis blood splatter footprint marks dna everything 
obviously back in the 1930s, they were very limited. They didn't even have DNA profiling yet. So unfortunately, Joyce's case went cold because there was no suspects that they could link to this murder. There was no evidence to link to one person. So, like I said, unfortunately, Joyce's case, they ran out of ideas and they could not pin it on anybody. If we fast forward to 2003, unfortunately, Joyce's mum, Irene Cox, she sadly passed away, never knowing what happened to her daughter, which honestly is heartbreaking. Like, I yeah. could not imagine losing my child and never finding out who did it and why they did it. Yeah. I heard in, I saw some interviews with her son and her grandson, who now lives in Australia, and when he was younger, his dad always used to say to him, so Dennis always used to say to his son, you need to look after your brother and your sister. You need to make sure they're never on their own. You need to walk home with them. And he never really understood why. And then when he was about 14, his dad told him what happened to his sister. And he kind of then understood, oh, okay, this is why I need to look out for my siblings. They also said that Irene never said Joyce's name. And when she did start getting ill and a bit forgetful, she would mention a young girl but she would never ever say Joyce's name. And they think that back then, because this is their generation, they would hide their feelings and maybe she would grieve in private, but it would never be in front of the family. Which for me, that would be heartbreaking. Like, I could not imagine losing my child, never knowing what happened to them, and then never being able to speak about that child ever again, because it just hurts so much. That's actually heartbreaking. I did not know that. So between 2004 and 2017, South Wales Police reviewed the case three times. In 2013, the family handed over the archive to Carol Allsop, a cold case expert to look through. Detectives from Scotland Yard were called in to help due to the severity of it, but I don't think this really went anywhere. In 2015, Joyce's cousin Terry, he wasn't born at the time, but he has spent much of his life reading and digging up information regarding the death of his cousin. Terry has been refused on many different occasions access to the files containing his cousin's case. He's been told that they have to wait 100 years after the case for them to go public. This won't be until 2040. And Terry worries that he won't be around to see what the case entails. Public archives will not be released until 2024 of the fingerprints which have been found on the tobacco pouch at the crime scene, which I just think is horrendous for any family like... Mm. it was nearly 80 years ago like surely they can release the information now i was gonna say like that's that's why 100 years that's a lot why 100 years that that that's basically that's so cruel for the family obviously joyce's mum irene was never gonna make it 100 years no exactly so like and imagine like like i said put yourself in her shoes all she wants to know is what happened to her child this just frustrates the hell out of me it also does frustrate me that there isn't really much out there on this case and this is what the family mean like they think that the police are covering it up Mm -hmm. because any other case is made public yeah so like you can go on the national archive and you can read about any case you want yeah but for some reason there's no information on this case and it just it just makes me feel please cover it up oh Definitely. I 100% think that the police are just covering for one of their own. 100%. 
So in 2017, South Wales did a cold case review into the murder, but it was revealed that the prime suspect died decades earlier, as long ago as the 1950s. They had reasonable grounds to suspect that the man identified during the original murder investigation was the neighbour, but due to the absence of direct evidence, he was never charged. Okay, another thing that just really, really, really annoys me. Same. It's like, if you know that he's linked to it, yeah. again, release the bloody papers. Yeah, like, yeah. If the police are sat there going, yeah, we reckon it's him. If yeah. he's not around anymore, if he's passed away, just release the case files. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that the family can have the closure yeah. that they deserve. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, he's an ex-police officer. Okay, amazing. A family lost a four-year-old child, yeah. a girl four years old, and yeah. they are not given the decency to be able to just let it go to rest. Yeah. They they are spending their whole lives researching and figuring out what happened to their cousin, to their sister. To their daughter. To their daughter. And yeah. they're being told, no, yeah. you can't have it until this time. Oh, but don't worry, we think the suspect's not around anymore. Yeah, like, why leave it till now to say, oh, he was actually the prime suspect? Yeah. Why not have said that back then and done something about it? That's what I mean. Like, if they think he's... Pull him in. Yeah. Have a conversation with him. Yeah. Find out. I just don't understand Interrogate him like they interrogated Alan when he was seven years old. Oh, no. No. Like, to me, this whole case just screams police cover-up. Oh, yeah. It definitely is. And I honestly think... 100% 100% is the neighbour mm-hmm. with the wheelbarrow I, I, I do think it is I mean we'd love to know what you guys think definitely what you guys think yeah because Joyce's family they remain shocked that the police are keeping this case under under lock and key especially seen as the person who did the crime is now dead and they don't understand why these files cannot be made public all the family want is closure on this horrific crime and they worry that they won't be around to ever know truly what happened to Joyce and I honestly just think, like, shocking, shocking yeah. police work. And yeah. you'd think, like, nowadays, where the police are meant to be better than they were, they, yeah. someone in the police force would stand up and be like, one minute, they, we know what happened, mm-hmm. just give that family that closure. Like, yeah. that's all they want. They don't, like, obviously he's never going to prosecute, he's not here anymore, but they just want the closure they, they deserve. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. So that is all the information we have on this case um hope you enjoyed it um we've expressed our opinions quite a lot um but let us know what you guys think um feel free to follow us on social media on instagram at the mystery room pod please also follow our patreon um you will get bonus episodes and early access to our episodes if you sign up which is five dollars slash five pounds a month Leave us some feedback on our posts on Instagram. <clears throat> tell us what you like. Tell us what maybe like you didn't like. Yeah. And hopefully, we hit, you can see us next week with a new bottle of wine. Yes. Also, let us know if there's any cases you'd want us to cover. And just to let everybody know, we are working on getting some jingles. Um, this is <laughs> a this is a podcast. Jingles. Part. Yeah, jingles. <laughs> Little jingles. This is a work in progress. This is only our first episode. Please no hate. Um, we are just two young girls, so positive vibes only, please. 
obviously um, like you said any constructive yeah constructive criticism. criticism is all welcome but nothing nasty no. no horrible comments like this is a positive place only yeah and also for anyone who are fellow true crime podcasters out there we will take any advice you have to give us so please reach out if you do have any advice to help us improve on this and i promise you hopefully next week my voice will sound a lot better and i won't sound like a 40 year old bloke who's been smoking 50 a day (laughs) well we hope to catch more of you next week and enjoy your weeks and your weekends and it was lovely getting to tell you about all the stuff that we found on joyce cox we'll speak to you next week bye (laughs) Ha, ha, ha.